Hello, and welcome to Deprogrammed with Carrie Smith. Today is Friday, March 4th, and you're watching our live show. Um, also, I'm running today because it pulls out, so I apologize up front for anything that's going to happen <laughs> during this show. I'm a little nervous, so bear with me. Um, this is a new channel. If it's your first time here, uh, hit subscribe if you're not already subscribed. We do have a new uh, subscribe star set up. We're not able to accept super chats yet. So if you're in the chat, we'll try and read some of the chats, but we don't have super chats yet. We do have a subscribe star and a Patreon. Um, I'm very excited about our panel today. I'm going to be joined by Sarah Higdon and Mike Harlow. And then later in the show, we're going to have on uh, Libby Emmons from the Post Millennial to talk about one of her recent articles. Um, welcome, guys. Let's see if I can do this. There we go. Okay. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. Mikey, hey, I'm so proud of you with your new channel. Oh, thanks. I've people people probably wouldn't think that I would be nervous doing it because I've been doing unsafe space for so long with Carter, but I'm, there's something in my head about, you know, well, you know I have a fear of public speaking. And I don't now know I'm, why you do, but you do. <laughs> so well, I do. And this is like mind effing with me it's like ah you're public speaking again like, why i feel like i'm operating without my safety net or something anyway well i'm glad that i'm glad that you're both here and you guys sarah and mikey you guys already know each other yes, yes. i love yes, her we do. yeah we've um, done some videos we've met each other in person when uh they were here for outspoken or for not outspoken for uh walk away a couple times so yeah <laughs> we know each other Hell and yeah, you, I love Sarah. Before we get started, I just wanted to tell people where they can find you online if they haven't seen any of my interviews with you. Um, Sarah, can you just tell people a little about you and where they can find you? Yeah, so um, I'm obviously a content creator, um, you know, make, and now public speaker. <laughs> Do you um, have a fear of it? Um, not so much. I was in the army for seven and a half years, so I could give briefs and stuff like that to just about anybody. It was it was getting in front of the camera that um, that scared me. I remember, we talked about that a little bit on our video that we did a couple weeks ago as well. Um, but yeah, so you can find me on sarahigdon.com. I have links to everything on there, but some of the key ones are youtube.com uh, slash sarahigdon, and then it's sarahigdon underscore for Twitter and Instagram. And Mikey, just in case, you just recently got unbanned. Yes, on Instagram. I don't know. How, I mean, I think it's this is the eleventh time that I've gotten myself unbanned. I was like stuck in a thing for a while where they were just unbanning me and rebanning me like a couple hours later. But I think I'm finally back on there. I had to add like an underscore to the end of my username on Instagram just to get out of the cycle because I was probably on like some sort of list. You should do a video on how to get yourself unbanned across platforms. You know what's funny? Yeah, because I have like, I have tricks and shit. And like, whenever <laughs> I hear somebody, because I'm kind of like one of the most banned people, I think, you know, I've, I feel like I've earned my title. Um, so like whenever somebody is banned from something, I like reach out to them and try to offer my help and my expertise. They don't want it. Oh no, because you single time they're like, yeah, okay, cool, fuck off. I'm like, fine, stay banned. What do I know? Well, they might think you're one of those bots. Because <laughs> there are those yeah. bots on Instagram. Anytime you talk about being banned, you know those bots that show up. Right people who I know. 
Oh, okay. I want my help. So fine. They can stay banned. I'll help other people. By the way, yeah, sorry, Prince. Oh, yeah, wait. So that's like uh, Sleepy Harlow underscore, or I'm not Mike Harlow on Twitter because I have to pretend I'm not me because I've been banned so many times. Also, sorry, parentheses. I am so pissed at my hair because whenever <laughs> I swear the guy just hates me because he went on this whole diatribe about he's he's like tan, by the way. He's not black. He's nothing. And he went on this whole diatribe about how I'm a person of color in America. I'm risking my life every time I walk out my front door. So I blocked him on everything so he couldn't find me. But maybe he did first. So every time I, he used to cut my hair so cute before that. And now every time he does, he does this shit. So excuse me if I just have like a glue stick trying to glue well, my hair. Down. So Actually, words to the wise, never, never uh, block your uh, your hairstylist without moving. Well, it would be worse or if you saw and then the shit that I posed. <laughs> uh, Therese in the comments, actually. Hi, Therese. She says, I haven't seen Mikey full with his hair in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> hi guys welcome to chat um so one of the things i want to talk about with you it it the the news cycle moves so fast now that it's hard it it seems like something's old news when it's really not um but the state of the union just happened as we know and there was something that happened right before the state of the union i'm going to try and pull this up and put it on the screen did you see the memo that got leaked from joe biden's polling firm yeah, I think oh, he, I, I saw you post yeah. it. I somebody it. somebody tagged me in this, and it was so disturbing because it happened before the State of the Union. So he had this polling firm basically poll a bunch of Democrats. I don't think Republicans. I think it was just Democrats. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and base and then they put out the polling results to him and to all the members of the Democratic Party, and it basically said we have to move away from COVID. Um, let's see if I can pull it up and then we can read some of it. And the person that originally shared this, can you guys see that? Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. So the person who originally shared this, if you guys want to check them out on Twitter, she was saying, here's the literal memo to the Dems. It's okay. This is from Julie Hamill, Hamill underscore law. Here's the literal memo to the Dems from Biden's polling firm. Declare a win over COVID and move on. I suspect the CDC will get the memo. Will Gavin Newsom and public health, LA public health, we shall see the state of the unions on Tuesday. And what's funny about her tweet is she put this out in the morning. And then by that afternoon, by that afternoon, the CDC had issued new guidance based on this poll, this uh, poll, these polling results. Yeah. And then we saw Gavin Newsom follow suit. We saw New York follow suit and everyone just started speaking the same garbage. Yes. Remember, we saw this again. We saw this in December as well. If you remember, they were starting. We saw that we knew the poll numbers were down. Nothing like this came out, but they were talking about um, was it masks? I think the new guidance had come out like, okay, maybe we should start set, or it was one they were talking about looking at death rate instead of um, infection rate because that would help ease people's minds right that covid was going away um and two it was they were starting to be like no masks don't work all this stuff even the person that was on cnn um announced that that they didn't so it seems but it seems to follow this trend um because then when there was a big spike of omicron so they really couldn't hide this in january but 
It's interesting. Um, and, and it doesn't surprise me at all that they would change it so quickly. Yeah, well, like like someone said in chat, I just saw it go by that the new science is political science. And that seems to be the case. This is just so I guess I guess I expected I need to I need to stop expecting people to be people who are in the I would say the echo chamber, the mainstream echo chamber. I guess I should stop expecting them to be outraged about stuff like this. But I still kind of I think what if I were still in that cult? If I saw something like this, it would be the man behind the curtain moment for me. Or I'm like, wow, yep. this is truly political. And then watching them all fall in lockstep and repeat this stuff. I just want to read a little bit of it and see if you guys have any comments. So this memo says... Um, Sorry, by the way, I'm like all laggy. I'm trying to fix it real quick. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it says, after two years that necessitated lockdowns, travel bans, school closures, mask mandates, and nearly a million deaths... Okay, so two years that necessitated, I like that they put that word in there up top, necessitated lockdowns. Nearly every American finally has the tools to protect themselves from this virus. It's time for Democrats to take credit for ending the COVID crisis phase of the COVID war. Point to important victories like vaccine distribution and providing economic stability to Americans and fully enter the rebuilding phase that comes after any war. Okay, so then if you read through this thing, they have all these bullet points and the Democrats, though, if you just count the word Democrats, how much they mention it, it's really disturbing. So here we go. Number one, declare the crisis phase of COVID over and push for feeling and acting more normal. Thanks to Democrats, we are nowhere near where we were two years or even one year ago. Democrats have a tremendous opportunity to claim an incredible historic success. They vaccinated hundreds of millions of people, prevented the economy from going into freefall, kept small businesses from going under, <laughs> and got people back to work safely. Because of President Biden and Democrats, we can safely return to life feeling much more normal, and they should claim that proudly. Yeah, again, doesn't surprise me at all. Um, this is how they do it. Biden said he was going to get rid of COVID in this first year and he didn't do that and people hammered him on it. Um, it's so, so funny because he's trying to take, he's trying to say that he also created how many millions of jobs when we yeah. still haven't broken even from the beginning of the pandemic. So he hasn't created any of the jobs that any more jobs than what we had before this whole thing kicked off. So it's not really creating jobs. Can't take yeah. for that. It's really easy. <laughs> credit for creating jobs when you Democrats, all the lockdowns force so many out of business. I think the most offensive thing to me in this is where he says, kept small businesses from going under. What are you talking about? That's yeah, the exact opposite of what happened. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. I'm going to read just one more part of this oh, and then we'll see. Level of gaslighting or is it just <laughs> we never noticed it? Mikey, something's wrong with your Something's wrong with your audio, Mikey. You might want to drop out and rejoin. Okay. Um, okay, I'm going to read one more part while Mikey tries to fix his audio. Okay, recognize that people are worn out and feeling real harm from the years-long restrictions and take their side. That part is underlined. Most Americans have personally moved out of crisis mode. Twice as many voters are now more concerned about COVID's effect on the economy, 49% than about someone in their family or someone they know becoming infected with the coronavirus, which is only 24%. 
Two-thirds of parents and 80% of teachers say that the pandemic caused learning loss and voters are overwhelmingly more worried about learning loss than kids getting COVID. Six in 10 Americans describe themselves as, quote, worn out by the pandemic. The more we talk about the threat of COVID and onerously restrict people's lives because of it, the more we turn them against us and show them we're out of touch with their daily lives. Okay, I'll take that off of there now. Can you hear me now? But... Yeah, it's just uh, your your audio, Mikey, is like really sped up. Is that for you happening for you too, Sarah? Yeah, it sounds like a robot, like somebody said in the chat. Yeah, <laughs> I think you should leave leave Streamyard and come back. Okay, try that. Sorry, it's okay. You are very sped up. It's just funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the most one of the things I was thinking about because this had to sink in for me reading about the Sarah was that it's sort of. Um, I think it proves what we were saying all along, some of us, which is that this yeah. was always in our hands because they're making mm -hmm. policy based on polling, based on what the public thinks. Yeah. And so now that the public says we're tired, we're worn out, they're like, okay, let's get rid of all these, the overreaching restrictions. So if if we had just stood up from the beginning and the polling had said, people are not okay with this, they're not okay with you closing small businesses, yeah. I, I think we forget how much that power is in our hands. Yeah, I think, you know, the people, we were standing up. We were saying this exact stuff this whole this whole time. Like, this is just political. It's endemic. It's, um, they're, they're having these restrictions only for compliance, not because it actually does anything. Uh, we've been saying this from the very beginning. So, um, it's, it's sometimes they, I mean, they know, they know that people are not going to, they're not paying that much attention to stuff like this. I mean, the vast majority of people are not online like we are on Twitter and everything like that, actually listening to this stuff. So they're just getting their stuff from the night news and, and, and the distraction in Ukraine is going to just lead us right into, Hey, COVID's over. Yeah. Please tell me My you can kid. hear me now. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad I spent all this money on like this expensive ass laptop. <laughs> no, but they literally changed it, I think, that day from saying that uh, over 90% of America was in, like, the COVID danger zone to now under 30%. And, I, and I've literally been getting, like, uh, mess angry messages from people about, like, oh, that's just because the vaccinated people are vaccinated. Like, there's nothing that these morons would not make excuses for. Yeah. I don't get how at this point people could not see it. And I don't know. I'm just very skeptical of all this stuff going away because they've taken so much power from this that I don't see them ever giving that up. I mean, maybe they've just kind of gotten what they wanted or this was just sort of their test run for doing it in the future, seeing how quickly people just totally bent over for them. But I don't know. Like in New York, for example, they claim that they're First of all, it doesn't even really matter what they do because the mask mandate already ended and you go anywhere in New York, I am always the only person not wearing a mask on the train. Yeah. You go outside, half the people have masks on. So it's it doesn't really matter, I don't think, what the government policy is. Like They have trained people's minds and broken people's minds to such an extent that that's the far worse thing. And now they claim that they're ending the vaccine mandate. But if you pay attention to all of the articles about it all the media coverage it's i just see nothing but loopholes in the way that they're phrasing yeah. it every time they're like they might consider 
lifting indoor vaccine mandates and they keep specifying indoor why i'm not aware of any outdoor vaccine mandates so to me that just sounds like loophole after loophole after loophole that i'm i'm not celebrating yet i'm just waiting for and even if they do do that it's like i mean i think we should mention that like we shouldn't celebrate too hard anyway because we shouldn't there's nothing to say we shouldn't be saying thank you to these people for destroying our lives for two years and then giving us back little pieces of it here and there. No. Yeah. And Mikey, you're the you're the probably the most affected out of all of us because I live in Georgia where we've haven't had mass mandates since June of what the beginning of the pandemic. Like oh, we've wow. only had mass mandates for three months. Remember, we lifted our mass mandates and Trump ha- hammered my governor because of that. Because he didn't do it on his time. Say that a little louder, Sarah. <laughs> People forget that. Exactly, and now he's he's running a primary candidate against him who lost his Senate bid last year. So, enough about Georgia politics. But Carrie, you're in Texas too, and so I don't know how the mandates have been there, but I don't think you guys have had them very much at all either. But when you do first take off that mask, you know when everything kind of comes to there's still a little bit of anxiety that somebody's going to yell at you in the store because there's everybody else is still wearing their mask because they have that same anxiety. Like, Oh my God, you know, they don't realize that they can, they can live without their masks. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Control, control of the people. I do believe this was a test run. Um, we know Bill Gates was talking about, um, having war games essentially for the next one. And remember the end goal is 2030. So um, to have the whole, um, the uh, great reset by 2030. You know, what's interesting. I, I have, I talked to a friend from Germany who is fully aware. I would say someone who's on the left and very intelligent who I respect. Um, and they're fully aware of the great reset thing, which was unusual for me. Usually when I talk about it with people on the left, first of all, they don't know what I'm talking about. And I have to guess, mm-hmm. say, go, you know, look up, Klaus Schwab, read the book that he put out about COVID wow. and the Great Reset. It's all out there in public. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's in public. But anyway, this guy knew about all that. But he sort of, he was saying it's not that big of a deal. It's just one public think tank. And and, and it, it that was new for me to talk to someone who was aware of it and aware of everything they say. And so I was asking, it doesn't concern you that it looks like all of the Western governments are moving along this route of attacking private property owners and restricting individual rights and all the stuff that's in the great reset seems to be happening. Is that, is that just a coincidence? It's not some part of the great reset and and no, he thinks it's just, I guess he thinks it's just a, yeah, (laughs) I think it's just a coincidence that these things are happening, but that was, was their only concern in life is getting invited to dinner parties. That's all they care about is is having the the equivalent of the bitchy teenage the bitchy cheerleaders to invite them to sit at their table. They would slit their mother's throat. They would give up all their children for anything other than being considered one of the bad people. That's yeah, this, really all these people care about. Being I would say, I would say for most of them that I know exactly the type of person you're talking about. But for this guy, no, he's still. I'm still thinking about him and and why he holds that opinion because that's not true for him. I don't think. I think it's just a uh, an inability to. Maybe you don't want to reckon with something that's like the worst case scenario. If it seems very bleak, it, you would rather just discard 
a fact that's in front of you that these things seem to be happening and there's this plan that's laid out and, but it's easier for me to say psychologically, no, that's, I don't want to contemplate that. I just don't get how anyone could feel that way after the last two years. Like what's it, I mean, unless they're just very shielded from it and haven't been affected, but I literally know people like these people that I used to be friends with, some of them literally lost their businesses that, they, that and their businesses were their whole lives that they started. They don't care. They won't say a word about it. Well, Sarah mentioned, cause you're in New York, it's a lot different. And people have asked me to come visit New York a couple times the past year. And I just, I love I you too much to ask you that. <laughs> I, I, I just kind of don't want to, cause the stuff I hear out oh. of it makes me. I'll go of, to you. Yeah. So what, what is that like? You're the only person who's standing at the subway platform. Not wearing every, a mask. Every time. Every time. On the car, in the platform. You literally go to the park on a nice day. 90%. More people wear masks today than in 2020. That's how much they've broken people's brains. Um, but then those same people will make excuses when you hit them with, like, the stuff that we just talked about and try to get sort of some, you know, get one little brain cell flashing from them and ask why that might be. Oh, that's just because the rates are low and vaccination. But then they won't follow that same train of logic for why they're covering their faces up still. Yeah, but there I, is no logic. But uh, but in terms of being here, it's it's just miserable. I never dreamed I would be like a segregated second class citizen. I did see. I have seen a lot of people online, and I wonder if these people are more in the blue, you know, the the cities like New York who are now that now that this memo came out and the Democrats are changing course based on polling and they're saying COVID's over and now we have Ukraine to focus on and we're done with COVID policies. There have been a lot of these virtue signaling posts on Twitter. Have you guys seen these where the people are taking no about their masks? I've seen people taking pictures of themselves in their mask and saying, I'm going to keep wearing it. They're doing the same thing that they were doing last year where they said, I'm going to keep wearing my mask because out of fear of being mistaken for a Trump supporter, right? They were, they've been doing that for how there long? It is. I mean, yeah. And it's yeah. so interesting. But I also think that it is that we've caused that because of all this, now we've created this, um, you know, this high society with a lot of men with, with more mental health issues. We know the pandemic caused mental health issues, but now it's, it's, it's so much. And then now it's going to, you're going to see a lot of, uh, anxiety disorders being um, put out because people can't take their masks off or else they have severe anxiety attacks now. Thank you. Yeah, it that. almost makes you wonder if that's part of the goal that all of these people, all of these kids who have just had their mental health destroyed. Oh, that's okay. Take your antidepressants with your cereal and eat your hormones with your vegetables, Timmy. Yeah. I think I'm worried about the same thing about the psychological effects and it seems like we're finally in a place where we can start, maybe it seems like the mainstream media is sort of open to broaching that conversation and they haven't been for two years, but they're doing it in this sort of, um, as if, as if they have no complicity in it, as if it's something they're yeah. just removed from and reporting on like, Hey, look at these increased anxiety rates in children. That's why De Defiant L's gets it right so many times on Twitter because yeah. he just, he posts their hypocrisy. That's all he posts. And he got banned uh, for that for a moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it's interesting because you just see it 
over and over and over them them doing this. Even Joy Behar said on the on the view that she was not going to take her mask off for this basically for, for the foreseeable future. I, th like, I think a paper. Well, maybe you should cover. Maybe you should better. keep your 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 face covered anyways. But we're fine. You know, <laughs> that might do the bag. rest of the world a favor. But yeah. So the rest of the people I should just unmask. <laughs> I have a a personal confession. I was talking about this with my husband. For two years, I, I think I would, even objectively looking at the way I've thought about people who wear masks, I've been pretty non-judgmental and tolerant, like for mm -hmm. the most part. I mean, I'll, certainly if I see someone wearing a mask in their car, I think they're an idiot. But <laughs> for the most part, if I'm at a store or something and there are people wearing masks, it's like, I haven't really judged them. It's like, I don't know their situation. I don't know. I, I know that there's all this mass hysteria and fear, and I don't know if they have pre-existing conditions and they might be elderly and who knows, and I don't care. It's like, you do you, I'll do me. As long as they leave me alone, because I haven't really worn one at all the whole two years. And most people have left me alone in Texas. Um, so I haven't really cared, but something changed in me recently. And I wonder if you guys are feeling this too. Maybe it's because the mainstream media is now comfortable saying, Hey, we're ending these policies because of polling data. <laughs> but now when I see people out, I was at Target the other day and just seeing maybe 50% of the people still wearing masks in Target, even after the Democrats have moved away from the position. I feel some I feel kind of a disgust towards them that I didn't used to feel. And oh, I felt that for a while. I, I feel a little guilty about it. And I'm trying to understand what that feeling is, but it's just sort of it's been two years mm -hmm. and, and what you're doing, I know that they think they're helping. You're not helping anyone. You're, you're hurting kids. You're hurting people who look at you and see, oh, there must be like, especially toddlers and stuff who this is, there must be some reason for this. This is what humans do. There's a reason to be fearful. That makes me angry. And so I'm having these new kind of, I mean, I mean, I would say contemptuous feelings towards people wearing them in public that I didn't used to have. And I don't know. Is that something that you guys are feeling too? I haven't. Oh, yes. I honestly, I, I felt the same way as you, um, where and I kind of still feel that way. Maybe it's just because it's been that way since for so long here. It's been anybody can, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask here for so long that it's like, and I know people that, that wear that's, uh, some more on the liberals, but they, when they feel sick, they put them on, but then they take them off and, and all this other stuff. Like, and like you said, there are people still getting COVID right now. I had COVID a month ago and I wore a mask when I had to go to the, you know, the pharmacy. So that's the only time I put a mask on in a while. I just wish they would ease a lot of the other restrictions like airplanes and everything like that, because it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, there's, I'm looking at some of the chat right now. People have mixed feelings. Pirate Tomsky says, I don't judge people for wearing them, but but I don't wear one. And Dom's, but Dom says, I feel the exact same thing. Yeah. I'm struggling with it. I don't want to feel it. I want to get back to that place you're in Sarah. That's like, I don't no. know why you're wearing. <laughs> no, like, I totally no. disagree. Uh, to, <laughs> to borrow a phrase, it's not enough <laughs> to be, to be, what, how would be the equivalent there? It's not enough to be anti-mask. You have to be actively anti-mask. <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough to no. not wear a mask. You have to be actually anti-people. We need to mock these people. We need to embarrass them, scorn them, and judge them all the time in the open, frequently. 
I have no issue with some of that. I have no issue with people that are doing that, though, that are mocking and everything like that. I have no issue with it. No, as I long know. As, you're not, as long as you're not t having the government tell people to, uh, forcing people to take their masks off, then we're good to go, you know? <laughs> oh, I would love that if they were just like, no masks, <laughs> burn the wall. Yeah, no masks ever. No, yeah. I'm I'm a libertarian in that sense where even if I don't agree with it, I... I mean, I it's not going to happen. I <laughs> I think the masks were the gateway to this entire thing. Everyone just capitulated to it. And I mean, I remember reading the studies about them at the beginning and being like, oh, this doesn't do shit. A yeah. piece of yeah. cloth on your face does nothing. Um, so it was never about a virus. It was never about anything. And it is. It, this whole thing has just been the weakness of many, many, many people on the right who have capitulated to this and allowed this and didn't want to make a fuss. And that's why we're in the situation that we're in. Yeah. And I, and, and if anybody if, wants if to know, this, this, this video is not going to be monetized. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the video is not going to be monetized. Sorry. So you uh, send this. Oh, wait, you're Snapchat. not monetized. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not monetized anyway. We yeah, do. Okay, uh, yeah. This is a new, <laughs> this is a good time to say, this is a new channel. If it's your first time here, please subscribe. Yeah. I still yeah. need um, a certain number of watch hours before yeah. I can monetize. So this is the, the free period where I can say whatever. <laughs> I mean, how many to this day, how many Republicans will even be like actively anti-mask. I feel like you could count on one hand, maybe two. Well, okay. This, never this, speak is a, out against them. this is a good segue because I don't know if you guys saw the other, one of the other big news items this yeah. week was DeSantis in Florida. And for anyone who hasn't seen this, let's just That's my play man. it. I think I can, I think I can make this work. Let's see. Share again. Thanks for bearing with me guys. I have, I'm doing the tech today. Uh, here we go. Boom. Can you guys see that? Now we can. Oh, I just figured out how to get the chat. Is there no sound? <laughs> no, there's not any sound. Can oh, I do yeah, click the Click the, click the uh, bottom right corner of the video. Oh, yeah, the you speakers. have the thingy on. Oh, the speaker's off. But I, But I could do the... I could you could okay so this is a uh, Florida governor Ron DeSantis you do not have to wear those masks I mean please take them off. <laughs> honestly it's not doing anything we got to stop with this COVID, this COVID theater. theater if you want to wear it fine but this is a, this is ridiculous it's ridiculous look at this kid behind him all right well it's good to be at U.S. and that okay, is what leadership <laughs> looks like boom can I, I just say can I just say I'm such a hypocrite because I will make fun of these people like and think, oh, it's so disgusting. These people like the Cuomo sexuals and all that, who it's like they're so they have such a an emotional connection to their politicians. And then Ron DeSantis speaks and my <laughs> nipples start tingling. <laughs> please run, please run, please run. Oh. He's. I saw something Josh Slocum said about, about that clip on Twitter, and I completely agreed. He said, this is normal. We've been in such a stage of abnormality that, of course, the media, if you guys haven't seen that clip yet, I don't know how, because the, the legacy media ran with it, and all of the headlines were, Governor DeSantis bullies kids into taking off the mask. Like, no, he told them this is theater, which is true. You don't have to wear it if you don't want to. 
And some of them chose to take it off and one didn't. It was up to them. Yeah. yeah. There's no yeah, bullying. What, it, this leads to, I mean, I was knew this was on the list. So coming into this, but yeah, it wasn't boring at all. He's now he said, take them off. And then he said, if you want to wear them fine, but it looks ridiculous. I, I think that's, <laughs> that's fine. That's great. It's, I mean, he didn't force them to take it off. That's if he was to force them to take it off, it would be one thing. And I also saw people were saying it was high school kids. Was it because it was at university of South Florida. Mm-hmm. So it, they kept saying high school kids, but it was at a university. And both of those, two of them were on the news. If you saw the the, re, the clips of it too, the one the one that took his took it off like right behind him and had the smirk on his face, like the big smile. His mom was really mad about him taking it off. Like he felt like he had, and then they made it seem like he felt like he had to. Castrating goal. <laughs> oh, he looked yeah. like he wanted to. <laughs> he that, smiled. Uh, and did you see the mother trying to prod him of what to say? Like they asked the kid, um, did you feel pressured by DeSantis? And he was like, uh, and then the mother's there like, wait, I have this clip. I, I really want to watch this one. Cause this mom, I think this mom is disgusting. Uh, and, but it's also funny. It's one of those things if you have to be, yeah, you have to be, um, you have to kind of laugh at it. Otherwise I think it would just make you so angry. Okay. Look at her face on this. So his mom, and by the way, this says he is a high school kid. Um, but his mom took him, the kid, the black kid who took his mask off, took him and paraded him in front of the media. And just watch this closely. We'll see. See if you can see something immediately visually weird here. Yeah, he's wearing a mask. Oh. <laughs> He's looking at this adult authority and is telling him, oh, you don't have to wear the mask. What was your reaction when you heard the governor tell you and your classmates, remove your mask? Um, a bit of surprise and shock, more of, okay, this authority, this authority figure is asking me to do something that I know is probably going to end up being controversial. I took mine off. controversial. Are you sure by the governor to do that? Mm. Look at, look at her. Um, yeah, look at her. A little. It was more of a pressure of an adult figure asking me to do something. And it's just like, all right. Why but not? that's exactly what his mom it's just said. It's shocking yes. that the governor told these kids, take off your mask. It, it, he pretty much said, take off your mask. is stupid. And take off your mask. Your parents don't matter. Even though I'm, I'm telling you, parents matter. And he's telling my minor child to take off his mask. He's putting us at risk. Look at her eyes. So, oh, there it oh, is. Yeah. So, I was upset. Very upset. Yeah. Uh, that creeps me out for a number of reasons. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I want to know where the risk. father is. Well, <laughs> she might she, be at risk. We don't so know. <laughs> she's not wearing a mask exactly. during this interview. But... She's- Forcing him to wear one, and then and then that, like you pointed out, Mikey, that sideways you can see her offside. She's repeating; he's repeating the words that she just used, Sarah. Like Sarah said, he says uh, an authority figure, and that kind of st- it like tumbles out of his mouth awkwardly because he's it's yeah. not something he it's would normally vocabulary. Say. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. he's repeating. Uh, it was an authority figure who told me to do it, you know. And she's just sitting there smiling approvingly. It's just oh, eyes yeah. 
I thought we that... see this a lot. We see this a lot with leftists when it comes to the kids and stuff. Remember the interviews and stuff with that Desmond Amazing kid too. It was exactly the same. It was like it, off to the side. It was like, yeah, mm-hmm. and it was like just they're looking to their parents for approval. And you always see that too. And the parents are like right there, like keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when and I, also, she said something that I think was so profound, which first of all, it's obviously not even true, though, that she's like, he's putting her her own child, and she's saying he could be putting us at risk. This is has to be the only time in history, if you go back to, like, the cavemen days, the fucking prairie wagon days, that this has to be the first time in history where we're supposed to mentally prioritize the lives of the old over the lives of the young. And told that the lives of children don't matter, the lives of teenagers, caution don't matter because some, you know, hundred and ten year old might catch a cold. I think it's it's, backwards for you to call it call her mommy dearest really hits. I think because we've also the past couple years seem to have ushered in this place of parents. We've seen a lot of parents sort of offering their children up in a sacrificial way. And I've seen a lot of these uh, posts where parents are taking photos of their kids in the mask or their kids getting the shot, even with their kid crying. There's that one famous one that went around uh, that I can't get out of my head of the mom behind her kid who's crying, her toddler, as he's getting a shot and her eyes are gleaming behind her mask. Just so delightful. She's delighting in it. And so yeah. I, I think there's something really, I don't know, I think it's very di- something very disturbing happening it's almost it's evil it looks like evil running through them with the way that they look at that like in glee as their kids crying and they're getting a shot when it's really not they they don't need it at that age they're not affected and we have the data out we have the data out of switzerland that anybody under the age of 30 it doesn't do anything i'm telling you all these people their entire lives just revolve around being considered one of the good people and otherwise it's like take my business take my kids inject me with whatever the hell you want inject my child cover my kids face up turn my three-year-old son into a dog put him in a dress turn him into a girl eat your hormones just don't call me a right winger yeah that is all they care about so for me, I, I'm not like I wouldn't say I'm like a nice person like you, Carrie. So like I'm I'm not I'm nice. Super <laughs> I'm like I don't give a damn about these people anymore. Don't call me nice. <laughs> I'm a, I I I really actually something Jordan Peterson said a few years ago that really stuck with me, and I've thought about it a long time since then. Is about the difference between nice and kind. That's true. You're kind. Thank you. I try to be. I'm not always kind either, but I'm trying to be. But oh. nice. I think he was. I think he had a good point. He was saying nice is sort of. Uh, I'm going to mangle it. I'm just paraphrasing based on my bad memory. But he was talking about how being nice is sort of about pleasing people around you. It's sort of a fakeness to it, and that made a lot of sense to me because there are people who try to make nice. It's not that they're being kind. It's about their own appearance. If that nice makes sense. is different than good. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> so one of the things that I want to do a future show on, and maybe I'll have you guys back for the show, but um, uh, I, I shared something about this on Twitter recently. I'm in a lot of these groups. So speaking of parenting, I'm in a lot of these groups for parents of transgender kids. And I just kind of, I'm in there because I want to see what they're saying. 
and it's very much an orthodoxy. So parents come into these groups and a lot of times they're coming in. I'm so confused. I'm not sure what to do. My son just told me that he's a girl and I'm trying to, I'm going through grieving and mourning over his name and his identity. And I'm trying to, and, and immediately once they come into the group, there's one way of thinking about it. There's one way of talking about it. And there's one way of dealing with it. There's nothing else. And anyone who has a differing opinion gets booted from the group. And so I've watched these parents come in. Sometimes they're on the fence about how they want to treat this. And they get, if they stay, they end up becoming part of the Borg and they all start repeating the same stuff. And so people will jump on them like their first posts in the group. Sometimes they'll use the the wrong pronouns, right? And then the everyone will jump. No, first of all, first thing you need to do, validate your child's new identity. And so I'm watching all these moms in these groups and, and a lot of them, again, I, I want to talk about this again later because I haven't fully developed my thoughts on it, but I wanted to see what you thought about this one thing. It's mostly women. Most of them don't have a man in the home. They're, uh, they talk about the ex-husband or if they do mention a husband in the home, they'll say he's aloof or he doesn't have an opinion. That the one I shared, yeah, they'll say he yeah. doesn't have an opinion, or they'll say he's not supportive, and it's combative in the home. And then they so, get a court order. Yeah. So, what is it? What do you guys think? I don't want to. I don't want to put all the blame on what's happening with kids and with parents on women, but what is it about women that makes them more likely, I think, to fall into just this sort of groupthink about things? Because women are more emotional in their thought process. Um, They're not as logical as men. And we see it when we talk about politics, too. We know that women overwhelmingly vote for Democrats, right? So mm -hmm. because of their emotional thought process. And so they're more sympathetic to their kids, and, and, they, and it scares them. So they want to do whatever they can that's right. And so they, they go into these groups. And you're right. I saw, I've seen these groups as well. My mom, when I first came out, my mom went into one of these Facebook support groups and she saw that something was wrong. And she started asking me like all this stuff. I'm like, no, that's just the, I'm like, that's just the way that this leftist ideology is pushing stuff this way. Those people are not uh, looking out for the best interest of, of trans people. Um, and then the trans people are the same way because you get, I've been kicked out of two Reddit groups for having wrong things. So um what is your wrong thing that gets you booted from a trans group? Um, well, I said that trans trenders exist. And when the detransition rate skyrockets, it's going to hurt actual trans people. And they did not like that. And then I've also then um, I also had just some liberty minded anti-communist uh, thoughts because there's a lot of communist rhetoric rhetoric in these in these chat chat rooms. It's all I mean, for some reason, this this I mean, and this is what I'm. I'm working on a project right now um, talking about how queer theory is the CRT for gay people and how it's taking over as well. And this will, if they give me a solo speech at Freedom Fest, I'm going to actually present this thought there as well. But um, yeah, queer theory is taking over. And so it's very much in line with Marxism and communism and that's what we're seeing out of the radicals. Now, again, the vast majority of trans people are not what we're seeing online. It's just like every other organization, even the LGBT 
is not the same as the queer community because the LGBT voted up their vote for Donald Trump to 29% compared to 19% uh, in 2016. So 29%. Yeah. The, the, yeah. So, so the, so you see the numbers in polls and of the adults of the community of, and, and who's voting and those numbers are going up for Republicans, yet we're seeing more and more of this queer theory being pushed out there. And why is that? Um, it's because like the 8% rule, it's the 8% crazies that get all the get all the attention. And the average LGBT person is not on board with that. And, that, and I think it's already really hurting trans people and it's creating a lot of animosity towards trans people who have nothing to do with it, which I always try to convey to people that this alphabet LGBT XYZ LMNOP agenda has absolutely nothing to do with gay people, trans people, lesbians by such. It has nothing to do with them. It is the reason that there is such a focus on gender with children is that it is a very easy way to get them into this cult for life. When you break their spirit, when you break their mind, you break their body, you own them mind, body, and soul. Um, and so they present this to kids in a very colorful, technicolor rainbow package, and then they slip in the communist rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. They separate everybody, just like CRT, they separate everybody into oppressed classes. Um, you have the the oppressed LGBT and the heteronormativity is the, is what they use in, in this. And it's really is derived a lot from feminist theory um, as well. And so you start to move into the, where women are oppressed and, and all this. And so then they also are postmodernist. So they think that there's absolutely no, there's no absolute. So they move away from feminist theory because anybody can identify as a woman and that's the whole social construct and everything like that, that they've tried to create. The only thing that Marxism doesn't um, support in, in terms of queer theory is um, sex. Marxists believe in biological sex and in, in the terms of procreation, um, but they don't, but they do believe that you can change your gender. So it's, it's um, a, a very interesting topic that I've really just started diving into like the last few days. Cause I was, I'm trying to put a video out about it and, and build and build all this stuff on it. So it's really interesting. Do you think, think they're, go oh, sorry, go on. No, go on. Sorry. <laughs> well, I was just going to ask about, you say they still believe in biological sex and they separate from gender, but I've seen that falling apart as well within the ideology. I've started to see that, them. Yes. Questioning. Queer theory doesn't and postmodernism doesn't. Yeah. But Marxism does. Only for yeah. the points of, of procreation do they believe in biological sex, though. That's amazing. It's yeah. Like, yeah. So first it was, we acknowledge biological sex is real, but gender is different. And so what we're talking about is gender, and you can identify as different genders and a hundred different genders. But now it's sort of moving like, okay, we also think biological sex is a social construct and not a real thing. Why? Well, because there are people with genetic abnormalities. That's why. Yeah. No, that's yeah. That's a relatively new idea, I think, inside of queer theory, because queer theory, like CRT, started back in the 50s and 60s and, and all this area back there. Um, it's really this new, newer queer theory with a bunch of people um, like Anna Maria Jagos, I guess her name is, that she just recently authored the book that's called Queer Theory. Um, I haven't read it. So I'm, again, that's what I'm digging into, but they're changing the definitions to be more postmodern. Yeah. I, uh, what were you going to say, Mike? 
we were talking about before in terms of that mother with that kid also, and I think it's also related to trans kids, is I think there is a certain type of female who they're single mothers who feminize their sons and turn their sons into their girlfriends, basically. They're sort of husband replacement. And I think that's what's happening in a lot of these instances. They're desperate, lonely, single women who have been lied to, who have been told that things, certain things in life will make them happy and they're not happy once they get to a certain age. And so they have to start playing, you know, doing science experiments on their kids. It's so sick. Yeah. There's also, I think this element of it's the, uh, the toddlers with tiaras thing going on where the parents are sort of living through their trans kids, the moms. And it's this badge that they have of coolness to be able to say, my kid is this special new oppressed minority and to hold them up as a, almost as a trophy and, and live through their transition. And I just imagine for the ones who are, as, as you call them, trans trenders, and I believe trans trenders is totally a thing too. And separate from people who actually ex experience gender dysphoria um, for the ones who are trans trenders, it's like, how do you let everyone around you down if you decide that you made a mistake? Yeah, that's that's the difficulty is not only not only let everybody down beside or, you know, that you've told everybody you're this and now you're changing your mind. And, and so that affects on your psyche as well. But then look at how they demonize, and this is a mark, or this is a Alinsky tactic, and they demonize anybody who leaves the cult, right? So you detransition, they cut you off, and they attack you harder than anybody else. And I always say this about you guys because you guys both came from the left. I'm a former conservative. You guys get attacked so much more than I do because they've I've always been on the right. You guys left the cult of the left, and mm -hmm. so Alinsky Alinsky will always take that to create fear to not leave that line of thinking that ideology yeah uh i'm sorry guys i haven't been keeping up with the chat very much it's hard for me to do the tech and the chat and as i mentioned at the top of the show we don't have super chats yet but i'm i just see a couple people saying stuff i'm going to read out a few of these um let's see dion thank you dion says that's the whole point make it a huge cost to change yeah, it's the sunken cost fallacy because if you've invested so much time and so many pe other people's energy in your transition and your mom is so gung-ho about it and to the point of making it her identity as well, like some of these moms in these groups, if you go to their profile on social media, their whole profile is, I support my trans daughter and, you know, they've got the profile picture, the cover picture, everything is about them having a trans kid. They go to the parades, what have you, to then say, mom, I think I made a mistake. It's, it's like that sunken cost, you know, yeah. you've already, you've gotten other people invested in it. And so I think there's probably a lack of incentive for those, those kids to even question what they're doing, you know? Yeah. And, well, that's and when those kids, kids... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I should say that's if they're even able to go back at that point. Yeah. I mean, when you have... 14 year old girls being given double mastectomies yeah. and people are okay with so, that. I don't know what planet I'm living on. I just saw a post the other day. Cause I'm deeply in tune with a lot of this from somebody that I follow that they were like, so I just found out that the person that did my, my top surgery, they said that they're getting like every other um, surgery is a revision on their double mastectomies. 
Wow. Oh, so trying yeah. to reconstruct. So basically giving them implants now. Yes. Because they took them and now they're giving them back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, that's that's how much a, it is, is the yeah. Hippocratic oath just like not exist anymore. Right. Well, well Here's the thing: is uh, surgeons are surgeons. They're, they have to, and and mo and all of these places require therapist letters to get surgeries. Even if you're over the age of eighteen, which I don't agree with. If you're over the age of eighteen, I really don't care. But under the age of eighteen, I don't believe in surgeries. But at least for everybody right now, they are requiring therapist letters. And for when I had surgery, I had to get two therapist letters, one from a PhD. So it, it's. They're, it's not the surgeon's fault. It's more the, the mental health system. And we have active, activist therapists out there using the gender affirming model. And that's why we're seeing it spike up right now. And just one more point, what I was going to say is that um, what we see is, and I don't know if, have you guys watched the HBO show Transhood? No. So it's, it is an interesting show because, because, um, it's an interesting show and I actually liked it because there are two trans kids that you would absolutely be like, yes, you probably are trans just watching the story. I mean, they absolutely fit the bill and the two that weren't and one actually was the four year old that desisted by the end. And his mom went from being so supportive. So everything, so everything to basically believe trans people don't exist at the end. And that is what we're seeing a lot of right now is once they desist or detransition, then it completely changes their whole worldview on what trans is. And then they don't believe it exists at all. So that's how it hurts us even more because mm -hmm. then they're like, you guys don't exist. And then they become, was it Steve younger? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, starting though too. Speaking of, um, yeah. <laughs> do you mean younger, the dad, or I don't know who Steve younger is. I, I yeah, yeah. Who, who, I think I might've said his first name wrong. I know Jeff younger. Yes. Jeff younger. Uh, so, so what do you mean by that? Because all I know about Jeff Younger is, if for anybody who doesn't know, uh, he's the dad in Texas who lost custody of his oh, wow, right. daughter, yeah. who uh, at the age of two or three, his son. Yep. It was his son. So he had twin boys, and one of them liked some feminine-looking things. Like uh, I know that he liked a, a purse that had a unicorn on it, and he got into a custody battle with his ex-wife and he ended up losing custody and his, his son is being transitioned. And so he's been speaking. He just recently tried to speak at university of North Texas. But, but what do you mean by you become Jeff Younger? He doesn't believe trans people exist. Um, he said it in the video you can see. Okay. So that's when you become him. I feel for him. I don't think he should be going through what he's going through. And I, I, but it, it saddens me that because of what his wife or his ex-wife has done and what the court system has done, he's taken this hardline stance against trans people in general. I don't know uh, if you ever had that, but, um, and so I, I really, I'm just saying people, be, people get to the point where when they've seen their child detransition, they just completely feel like that it, it must not exist because I fell for it. So you guys are all just falling for this, for this ruse or this feeling that's, that's not real. The thing that's, is who I feel a... like who wouldn't feel that way. If, if someone had oh, I know. that yeah. done to their child, like who the hell wouldn't feel that way. And the thing is yeah. too, no wonder, like because these ridiculous gender activists 
actually have the most narrow-minded view of gender expression of any us of theirs is more regressive and narrow-minded than the most conservative person in the world because they think that if a girl likes sports or is a tomboy or if a boy uh, likes feminine things that that makes him not a real boy that that makes her not a real girl so when you have these very young boys for example like a two-year-old boy uh, when you give him that option of course a child is going to prefer shiny, colorful, pretty things. And they, when they, you tell him that that isn't just a shiny, pretty thing, but that means you're a girl now, of course they're going to think that they're girls. Yeah. I think I saw something, and it might have even been something you posted the other day, um, but somebody, it was like, the 80, so the vast majority of, so like, all trans people knew that something was different at the age of four or around that area. But 80% of the people that feel like something was different around that time end up desisting by the age of 16. Yeah. But that 20% also felt it too. So um, it's like, I, I think I use it, use the term, like it's like a, a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. You know, they're not this, it's not mutually exclusive because just because I knew something was different at the age of four doesn't mean that everybody that feels something's different at that age is also trans mm -hmm. because it's that, very common. That, what happened was that. Sorry, I'm just going to grab a drink. I'll be right back. Oh, that's fine. There used to be therapists. Uh, oh, who's that guy? His last name was Blanchard. There used to be therapists who would, who would treat kids with gender dysphoria or who thought they had gender dysphoria. And he was one of the ones who found that, hey, if I'm working with these kids through young adulthood and there's a certain number of them who um, actually come to terms with their their biological sex and that may not have been the underlying issue and they desist, like yeah. you said. What so, happened to yeah. those doctors is they got, when this ideology became sort of taken up by the mainstream, those doctors, a lot of them got put out of business and they got yeah. demonized. Well, yeah, De Dr. Uh, so Deborah So talks about that uh, being the only person in the room and being pushed out of academia as well um, for the same stuff. And she wrote uh, she wrote the book End of Gender. But I'm trying to think, think of who. So Blanchard is the one who termed the coin or coined the term autogynophilia. So that's what. So that oh, was Blanchard. I didn't know that. Okay. He, he actually blocks me on he actually blocked me on Twitter for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. But. Um, um, now the Lisa Littman study, which is a flawed study, but it's, it's the reason why it's a flawed study, but it's not so flawed anymore in, in terms of current uh, discourse is because she's the one that studied a bunch of children. And it was like, um, that anybody, the reason why it's flawed is because it was taken with anybody that had gender nonconforming tendencies, not just people that said that they were trans, but gender nonconforming tendencies tendencies and then they uh and then 80 percent of those people desisted by the age of 16 um it didn't take just people that said that they were trans so huh. that's the the flaw in the study but still it's a it, but that's what they're turning trans into is anybody who has gender non-conforming tendencies so now it's becoming even more relevant right it's also becoming very cool like a very cool thing to claim hi uh, everybody. welcome libby, libby. Hey. Hey. hey hello everyone hey thanks for joining us today uh i know you know mikey but i don't think you've met sarah higdon before hi sarah no i have not hi pleasure nice to meet you 
I if I was saying, I follow so you and everything. Oh, cool. I'll follow yeah, you. Yeah, I've used some of your articles, um, especially like the CNN articles in some of my videos. So I always oh, cool. I always put a cat out of the link in the description usually when I use post-millennial stuff. Nice. So glad to hear it. We were just talking about, we haven't started talking about what happened with Jeff Younger yet, although we did mention him. And uh, now that you're here, I do want to talk about, speaking of your articles, Libby has a piece out in the post-millennial right now about what happened at the University of North Texas the other night. Um, maybe if Pirate Tomsky is still here, he can link that in the chat for us or somebody else can. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about, I don't know if people have seen the videos yet. It was really disturbing to me. Uh, can you tell me, tell us a little bit about what Yeah, happened? so the uh, Texas Young Conservatives um, at the University of North Texas had invited Jeff Younger, who's a candidate for the uh, state Senate, I believe, in Texas, uh, to come speak to their group. And they printed out flyers. Um, they weren't expecting protests. They weren't expecting um you know, a lot of people to come. It was really just for their group and that's what they were hosting. But it word got out as it tends to that uh, Younger was going to be speaking. And so mostly um, activists and protesters showed up at the um, at his talk. He tried to talk. He was harassed, shouted down. He was called a fascist, all of these things. Um, and it was interesting, too, when I shared the article, people were like, oh, he doesn't pay his child support. He's just this deadbeat dad, all of that stuff. Um, but his his backstory is that his ex-wife at this point um, tried to gender transition their three-year-old. He was opposed uh, to the transition, the gender transition of the three-year-old. Um, the child has gone on is like, I think, 14 now. Um, and is still undergoing gender transition. The mother is very insistent that the child is trans. The father, when he has the child, has had the child with them, um, is pretty sure that the child is not trans. So it seems like there's definitely something going on between these parents where, you know, one of them thinks the child is definitely trans, the other one doesn't. And the one who thinks the child is trans has all of the control has all of the ability to uh, get a diagnosis and to get medical transition underway for this kid. So it's, it seems like a pretty tra tragic story to me, a very bad custody situation, a horrifying marriage likely, you know, if this is what's going on between them. Um, and this child, like so many children of divorced parents is stuck in the middle with one parent saying, you know, be this way and another parent saying, be this other way. Um, yeah, so Younger was shouted down. He eventually was escorted from the building, as was this woman, um, Kelly Nider, who was a student who's with the Texas Young Republicans or Young Conservatives group. Um, they were escorted out. Younger was escorted away in a car. And Kelly was who I spoke with yesterday when I started researching the story. She wasn't able to get into a car and eventually police escorted her into a separate building um where they tried to get into classrooms they eventually ended up locked in a janitor's closet while people were chasing after them and the people who were chasing after them uh were activists it's not clear that they were all students um some of the people that were in the clips that were shared on social media of the talk were trans and they said that they were trans um 
and younger was saying to them, there's no such thing as a trans person. The one student who sort of did this weird primal scream thing at him. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh gosh, that. yes. That was insane. She's like, I'm sorry, they, uh, he, I'm sorry, I apologize. The scream of the wolf. <laughs> screaming, screaming at him, um, you know, that he's trans and uh, just freaking out, 17 years old. Um, again, a minor at this point, you know, at the university, probably a first year student. Uh, so yeah, so that's the story. That's what happened at North Texas. Totally insane. Also, um, Kelly, there was a petition to get her expelled last semester to get her like removed from campus. It's finally her last semester. So, you know, I wish her the best in, uh, and this is in, in Texas. getting out of there safely. This is in Texas. This is in North Texas. Yeah. Denton, I believe. Denton, Texas. So, yeah, yeah. pretty fascinating situation. And Young, what of course, you is not the only dad who has been um dealing with this kind of thing there's a dad in british columbia very similar situation um except in that case the child was born female um and we're seeing we're seeing a fair bit of this what do you think is gonna i don't know if you have opinions on this but being in texas i'm trying to keep up with what's happening here and i, I was telling these guys i'm in a group for parents of transgender kids and they all seem pretty alarmed about Governor Abbott's directive that anyone who's trying to medically transition a child is committing child abuse and encouraging people to report parents and doctors who are doing that. Do you, do you see some kind of big legal battle happening here or I've seen I parents. It's really interesting. I mean, from my perspective, I'm a mom, my son's 11. Um, me and my son's dad have, uh, we're not on the same page about lots of things, but we've, we're perpetually on the same page about what's right for our son, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and we've been opposed to any medicalization at all, right? So he's not going to be taking Adderall just because he can't sit still in class. He's not going to be taking anything. You know, if he's, if he's diagnosed with some ADHD, the prescription is not going to be any kind of pharmaceuticals at all. Um, you know, he had a condition when he was born, he had like a weird deformity. We had to deal with all of that. He's already dealt with enough. It's done. Um, if my child came home and said that he was trans, uh, that he wanted to dress differently, that he wanted to participate in different kind of activities, although I don't know what that'd be. He basically plays video games. Um, I'd be like, okay, but you're not taking any drugs. You're not taking heroin. You're not taking cocaine. You're not taking Lupron. You're not taking Adderall. You're not taking anything to help you sleep. Like here's a cup of tea, you know, nice little chamomile. So that's my perspective on that. I'm very opposed to medicalizing children um, at all for some sort of mental condition. I'm like a hundred percent opposed to that. So I would be opposed to, um, I mean, also if he came home and said that he wanted to paint his nails, I would say no, but I would say the exact same thing to a daughter. So, I mean, my position is not, um, different based on that. Uh, my father was incredibly into like none of this, no makeup, nothing to the extent that like, I don't even know how to put on makeup properly. I never got that figured out. Same. So, <laughs> yeah, I can't, I don't know. 
I tried actually, <laughs> whatever, that's a different story. I ended up with lipstick recently, like everywhere. I was trying to go to a party and look cool. And, you know, I, sorry, I 100% failed. Um, yeah, so I do think that it's pretty interesting. I think that parents have given way too much control to the pharmaceutical industry across the board, you know, in the 90s. Uh, in the early 2000s, we saw kids getting medicalized for all kinds of stupid reasons. You know, boys who can't sit still in class. Surprise, you know, surprise, boys can't sit still in class. Um, girls who are depressed because of their body image. Surprise, welcome to being a teenager. Uh, but I do think we're going to be facing some legal battles. It's interesting. It's like the battle of the governors right now. You have Abbott, DeSantis, Kim Reynolds in Iowa, all opposed. Um, you have Kathy Hochul trying to push for uh, male-bodied persons to be housed in women's prisons, just because, just for saying so, you know. Wow. Which I think is, yeah, I think that's a little, I think that's a little wacky. I think there's probably on a case by case basis, but like just overall in general, I don't think that that's a, a reasonable undertaking. We're seeing all kinds of things in Canada with that women being taken out of uh, prisons to have abortions because they're being housed with individuals who say that they're female but have fully functioning um, genitalia, which like results in pregnancy, which there's issues there. Probably the worst one I've seen is in, I think the UK where, and it might even been here, but the person self ID'd as a female after he was, um, it was like seven years he had molested a child, mm -hmm. a, a, a young girl, and then he got put in the juvenile detention facility with girls be, simply because he identified and right. clearly male looking, looks just like a, and he's got a beard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that doesn't seem, um, it doesn't seem like they're taking the needs of the women who are in that prison uh, at all into consideration. No. no. It's horrible. Olivia, I want to. Go ahead, Mikey. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm so thankful that you're someone who's speaking out about it. It's horrible. Not just, I mean, even more so what they're doing with kids with pharmaceuticals. Uh-oh. Your audio what? is sped up again. No! <laughs> Still? Yeah. I'm going to sound Yeah, you might, have to, you might have to leave and come back. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. Libby, I'm going to pull up your articles for anybody who hasn't seen it. Okay. Oh, I saw it. I saw an ad there that I didn't want to see. <laughs> so this is in the post-millennial. It's called Far Left Protesters Shut Down University of North Texas event featuring father who lost custody of trans child. And some of the video footage in this piece reminds me of the kind of college mobs that we saw happening back in 2017. And I think blessedly, I haven't anyway seen a lot of this in the past couple of years, maybe because it went mainstream and left the colleges. And so... It, it, you know, it was out at the BLM riots and stuff. You didn't have to do it. But this really took me back a couple years. These are the students. Let's see if we can play this. Yeah, so that's just a, a taste this of what, what happened. This is what democracy looks like. Yeah. yeah. Same. <laughs> Same. 
what was really disturbing to me, it's not just seeing the mob mentality, but online, the people who originally shared these videos are leftists and all the comments from adults who supportive. Mm -hmm. That bugged me out. I find it very creepy that this is being pushed on kids almost as a way to justify, you know, gender transition for adults, but adults don't really need to justify what they want to do because they're adults. Absolutely. You know, like what's the deal? Um, it's hard enough being a kid, you know, without all of this, without being, having all of this. And so much of it is very trendy. You know, like my son tells me that this is very trendy in his school. Um, there's like the, what does he call them? There's like the rainbow brigade and they come in contact with like the BLM brigade and then they disagree about things. And then one person's a racist and the other one's homophobic and all kinds of things. So. Yeah. yeah and remember, Carrie, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that it has become the goth kids. Except for with activism, it's the goth kids. That's it's, fascinating. It's, it's, it's the whole. It's the whole trend there. Except for now, they have something that they can fight for, and it's being fed to them, and it's being approved by teachers and stuff like that. So it's really interesting, fascinating the way that it's going. Um, and Libby, you weren't here earlier. I'm working on some pieces right now when it comes to talking about how queer theory is the CRT of gay people, and so it is. And when yeah. you look at academics critical gender theory and critical race theory are being pushed hand in hand. The yeah. the gender studies departments are the same departments as the like race studies department. And it's funny because like, I don't know, I'm probably way older than everybody, but like when I was a kid, the idea that you would go to school to study writing was absurd. It was like, oh, you'll get no job. And now it's like, we don't have to worry about the people studying poetry. You know, <laughs> we have to worry about yeah. the people that are like, you're totally entranced with gender and gender and race theory. That's the real concern. Poets, mm -hmm. God bless them. I miss a poet, you know. <laughs> you hear me now, by the way? Yes, you're yes. good. Thanks for returning. <laughs> it's Glad actually... I spent all this money on a MacBook. Um, somebody asked, I don't know if you want to share, but G-Man, by the way, I did figure out, thank you, Sarah, for messaging me to take that <laughs> comment off the screen. I figured it out. <laughs> um, so G-Man... G-Man asks, how old is Libby's son? Oh, he's 11. Huh. And there, and he's already aware of like the Rainbow Brigade and everything. Oh, for a long time now, even with remote learning and everything. It's very prevalent. Um, it's like that and and like critical race theories all over the place. Yeah, it's like we were talking so about, talking about, about before, talk race theory is know. not being taught anywhere. Well, yeah, right. I mean, the thing is, critical race theory is not being taught. Critical gender theory is not being taught. Instead, these theories are used as the backbone, the foundation of curriculum and pedagogy. So uh, yeah. it's not that kids are learning critical race theory. This is just the universe that they are existing in um, is entirely formed with critical race theory and critical gender theory, because all of the teachers, they go to Bank Street, they go to Teachers College, you know, they go to all of these very prestigious educational uh, institutions in New York State. I'm sure it's true in other places. Um, I think definitely New York City. I'm not sure about the whole state. But you have to have a master's degree in education to teach. You have to have a master's degree. So, And the more master's degrees you get as a teacher, the more, um, more money you can make, right? Like you get more money based on your educational level. Um, totally different than in journalism. <laughs> 
turns out. <laughs> yeah, and they're, anyway. they're not they're not being taught. It's not being taught, but what it, what they're doing is they're putting it into math problems. Like if so and so is black and they and and they have this many things, how oppressed are they? Type questions. Right. And there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff about that, right? And there's yep. like uh, there was um, there was recently a Spirit Week. There was this like whole Spirit Week, and they used to do Spirit Week, and it was like everyone wears school colors, and there's right. a pep rally. Now it's like there's uh, there's like a day where there's like a rainbow day. There's like one very special oh! rainbow day. There is one day for school spirit where you wear your school colors. There's another day that's for your culture where you wear coat colors that represent your culture and stuff. So I said to my son, I was like, uh, what do you want to do for this one? Would you like to wear red, white, and blue and a crucifix? You know, we're American Christians. So that's, all, that's all we got. And he was like, he's like, no, mom, they don't mean that kind of culture. I'm going to wear my normal clothes. And I was like, okay, I got a big crucifix for you. Hat, you know? He's like, mom, I'm trying he to be cool. Like, no, no, not even, no. He's not even trying to be cool. He's just like, I don't want to get beat up. Like, I'm not even trying. Did they ever have but for you the one I used to hate? Oh, sorry, the one no, I used to hate no, no, the most. Okay. They used to have the day of silence. No. Oh, <laughs> it was that. some LGBT bullshit when I was in high school. The day of That's silence. That's awful. Where people had to wear tape over their mouths and not say anything because of the silence and oppression that gay people live in. And I was the only one every year who would get in trouble for that fucking day of silence. Just I like have never known a talking. gay person who is silent. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to talk today. I'm like, well, good luck well, with that, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey would have to cut a little hole in the tape. If you were to wear it, <laughs> like the like the like your mask, like your mask with like. Yes. <laughs> I'm su I'm surprised they made the 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 gay people wear it though, Mikey, because it should be the day for everybody else to be silent, but for gay people to shout it out, right? I mean, that's well, not wasn't a gay thing. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was gonna say though with the trans kids. It's like I had a pretty I'm, good idea at the time. No, you're. <laughs> But I was like, I want to be short. Now your audio is messed up again. <laughs> this is the day of Mikey's messed up audio. This yeah, is the silence day. This is the Mikey's silence day. day. <laughs> yeah. This is, okay, try to try to say something. While you do, I'm going to bring this up. Now, this is something that I've How about now? now? Oh, good. You're back. You're better. Yeah. Okay, I use a different deck. So, Speaking of all the stuff that kids are getting into and learning about, there's a whole community of kids online in the Tumblr world. And uh, Tumblr still exists? What's, what's yeah. NARP <laughs> I thought it was okay. Reddit, but. Oh, this is the thing where we celebrate our neurodiversity instead of just being like, I have a mental illness. I should probably get that checked out. Yeah. So, no, NARP this, is every, this is every single person in the queer movement is narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> one flag to rule them all that's funny i was thinking that narc day would be like you tell on everybody right <laughs> like you narc everybody. oh yeah narcs that's your, yeah that's your gender this is the day we celebrate our, our narcissism as opposed to every other mikey day. your audio is messed up again <laughs> sorry <laughs> okay well, let me let but, me but you're right this. This might make sense too, because I mean, I have a little thing that says "Don't be an effing narc" on my in my in my studio, and yeah, 
it, 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 it works both ways. Don't be a narc in terms of telling on people, but don't be a narc in terms of being narcissistic. A narcissist. <laughs> yeah. So this is for anyone who can't see it. If you're just listening to the audio version of the show later, this is a flag of several ugly colors and it says narc gender. And then underneath there's a definition. Narc gender is a neurogender for individuals with narcissistic personality disorder, NPD, whose gender is influenced by their NPD and or can only be understood in the context of having NPD. This label is exclusive in bold to those with NPD. Self-diagnosed individuals, NPD is narcissistic personality disorder. It's not a personality um, disorder. Can you hear me now? It's just being an asshole. That's all it is. So, so, so it can only be understood. <laughs> Like people with MBD. <laughs> yeah, we can Think hear about you. that. That how narcissistic is that statement? I found this in my drawer. <laughs> it's also here we go. One second. It's also self. It says this is the last part. The self-diagnosed individuals are allowed to use this term as long as they've done proper research on the disorder. Um. What is, who decides me, what proper research is? I, 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 you decide. It's narcissism. Oh, it's self. It's self ID. And honestly, if 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 they if they if they want to ID as narcissistic, I, I don't know what to tell them. They probably are narcissistic. I don't think so. Actually, I, I'll disagree with you on this because I think a narcissist would never admit to being a narcissist. I think these are. Okay. I think they probably have a high degree of narcissism, but I wouldn't say go so far as to say they have NPD. Um, I do think they might have something like by uh, borderline or something, some other kind of cluster B where this is, makes them feel strong to say they're a narcissist, that they're, they're that type of cluster B. But, but I don't know any narcissist who would be like, yep, that's me. I really just don't, except for maybe Kanye West, he sort of claims it, but otherwise Trump, Trump doesn't Does really claim feel it. bad for Kanye and, and Kim. I kind of, what? I kind of I split up. It's kind of on his side. Uh, yeah, Mikey, too kind of. Mikey's still bad. <laughs> Mikey, your audio is so garbled. Yeah, do you, that's do okay. You do you think it stems from insecurity though? Because what we are seeing is people are getting validity from having uh, mental disorders. I mean, TikTok right. is uh, is full of DID trenders. Um, yes. And, and all these other stuff. So even even something that is not a good um, or, or something to be proud of being narcissistic is actually a character flaw, you know, a very big character flaw. But they're even using that as a way to get, you know, woke points. It's interesting because there's so much, um, so much of this is about needing to have an identity and not having an identity other than one you sort of create or establish based on the given boxes that exist out there. To a large degree, I think as a culture, we have completely destroyed the concept of a rite of passage, right? We've, we've taken away God, we've taken away our religious traditions, we've taken away those religious um, ceremonies, right, that go along with it. I mean, if you think about it, like I'm Catholic, um, I was an atheist for a long time before I came back to being Catholic, but we have a lot of traditions in the church, a lot of sacraments, and these sacraments are ways that you can, they're like milestones, right? You can like uh, sort of chart your life by these milestones. You get baptized at the beginning, the beginning at the end, you get last rites. In the middle, 
in the middle you can you know you you have your first communion you have um, reconciliation you have confirmation marriage holy orders whatever it is you have all of these things and we took away marriage as a rite of passage because you can just live together it's not a big deal no one needs to get married anymore we took away um you know the religious traditions baptism confirmation all of those confirmation is a rite of passage right it says now you're an adult um bat mitzvah bar mitzvah that's a rite of passage now you're an adult if you look at um indigenous communities all over the world so many of them including i believe the um maori and uh i can't remember the one there's this there's this one in africa it's like a I believe it starts with an M. The Maasai. The Maasai, yeah. They have they have rites of passage into adulthood at about 13. The same was true for Native American communities in the Americas. It was around the age of 13. So now around the age of 13, instead you come out. And if you don't have anything to come out, you don't have a rite of passage. If you're, you know, straight and like just the the gender you are, right, then that's an issue because you have no, you have no way to move forward. You have no way to mark your entry into adulthood. So I think we have replaced these religious rites of passage um, with all of this, with so much nonsense, you know, just trying to find a place in the world, just trying to find a way to say, I am an adult and I am going to make my own decisions. We need to have these rites of passage. This is like how so many kids ended up with tattoos. There was nothing else to mark their entry into adulthood, you know, than like masses of tattoos. The kids younger than, than you know, my generation, they are fully tatted up. There's like, it's like solid. This, you know? this is such a good actually, point. This is interesting. Oh, I got a tattoo at 15. So, and I've actually am in the process of getting it removed because I didn't think that I would be transitioning uh, later in life and it's on my calf and it's not a spot where I really want a tattoo anymore. So I kind of went the opposite way. I wanted to be hyper-masculine and do like the tattoo. And I think that this, this is absolutely spot on. And this is actually something that I haven't heard anybody really discuss is the rite of passages that we used to have. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I find it fascinating. I was teaching a catechism at my church for a while um, until it turned zoom and I just, it just made me die inside and I couldn't do it sadly, but, um, because of that, because of my own, I don't know, narcissistic personality disorder. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we talked a lot about a rite of passage and I really tried to, cause in the Hispanic community too, you have a quinceanera, um, and a lot of the kids are Hispanic, but like, uh, a lot of the kids weren't too. So there wasn't this, some kids were having these big birthday parties and it was like a whole thing. And some kids were just like, meh. So I tried to hype it up and be like, this is how you say that you're an adult in the church. You say that you're, you know, you go through your confirmation process, you consider all these things and now you are an adult in the church and you can decide for yourself, you know, about your life of faith and community and all that. I really tried to make that a thing. I had a, when, when I got tattoos, it was very much that conscious decision of, I thought anyway, I thought about it and I said, this is a rite of passage. This is sort of replaced a rite of passage. So I got one for my 18th birthday or got two for my 18th birthday. I did too. And then that was, and I think it, it did function as that in a way it's like, you're picking out an identity, something that means something to you off the wall, which now I look back and it's just so cheap. It's just a cheap form of identity. So I ended up with things that I liked at the time. It's like, 
a frog and a butterfly. That's who I am. <laughs> you know, it's so stupid, but uh, you know, just it's permanent, but at least they were small. And then when I turned 28, I was thinking, okay, I need to get more tattoos now, 10 years later to mark who I am. And I'm so glad I didn't do that because the, the things I was thinking of getting my friends, my ex-husband talked me out of, I was, I was such a hardcore social justice warrior. Then that was my identity. And it was a very bad identity. And it was, it was on such shaky ground. And I didn't know that, you know, it was all this constructed stuff because I didn't really know who I was. I just had this ideology standing in for identity. And so I had picked, I was going to get the female fist of righteousness, you know, with the communist fist. Powerful. <laughs> yeah, with the, with the women's symbol around it on my right. shoulder. Can you imagine Ouch. if I had that? <laughs> that would be painful to remove because that would be very dark. It would be painful to remove. I had, you know, when I was 18, when I, when I was 12, I realized that I wanted to do drugs. Like, I was like, oh, wow, I really want to do drugs. And so I said to myself, just wait till you're 18. So on my 18th birthday, I was in college and I was like, all right, yo, let's go. And then I did a bunch of drugs for a while. But I think we have this weird idea that we are who we are and that's a fixed point. You know, I mean, like, I don't think any of us know who we are because we are not. We are in process the whole time. Like, yeah. what you can do is you can establish a, a set of values, you know, priorities, and you can stick with those and you can use those to make your decisions throughout your life, you know, and you can like every time you have to make a big decision, bounce it off your set of values, bounce it off your morals and see if it matches. And if it doesn't match, reevaluate, figure out what it is that's the right thing to do based on your set of values. Um, I think that's more important than knowing who you are because who you are, like Sarah was just saying, you know, she went for the masculine thing at first, unaware that she was going to transition later, then she transitions later. And now, you know, she's still the same person, right? Like it's, you're mm -hmm. still the same person. Yeah, um, you're always learning about yourself, right? That's what yeah. it is. I, I learned about myself as I grew up. Right. I feel like that's and, the best. Wait, yeah. sir. Can you go? Hear me? No, go, Mikey. Go, Mikey. Can you hear me? Yes. Hey. Good. Okay. Let me like hurry while this lasts. Um, that is like I think the best argument against trans kids having any sort of medical thing. I got the ugliest, most hideous tattoos when I was 16 that I desperately tried to cover up as often as I can. So like if that that shows what how minors are capable of making lifelong decisions for their bodies. Yeah. And Just even don't. adults, but if you're an adult, at least we, we sort of have this um, age limit, which we've said, okay, it's 18 to make these decisions. And, and, you know, for if you're gonna smoke or get a tattoo or, but not for major surgery that could remove a body part or end up sterilizing you or have some other type of side effect that you might regret. It doesn't, that doesn't compute for me. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm a libertarian purist when it comes to anything over the age of 18 or whatever. And I think we get this wrong too much of the time as well. Um, a lot of people point to, I mean, who is it? Akira uh, Bell is the person who transitioned in the UK and was the fighting UK. against the UK. Now, her story, I've actually talked a little bit how I don't, uh, uh, we propped her, they propped her up. But the problem is, is she 
transitioned at 20 years old. She had her double mastectomy at 20 years old. At some point, we have to start looking at personal responsibility for people like that. We, we can't she started it earlier, though. She's she, she well, she got took like puberty blockers at 16, which right. was really interesting to me. Why would you want just move to cross sex hormones at 16 um, in the first place? But puberty blocker at 16 doesn't seem to make any sense. Honestly, you've already gone through most of your puberty, if not all of it. I think also she was talking about how she had when she was 16 and she went to gender clinic, she had no um, there was no mental health counseling. Yeah, it was like, yeah, know, one she session. was. She was like, it, their informed consent was not informed consent, and there was no pushback. And that's when I talked about a little bit earlier about activist therapists. And it's the UK has a lot more issues than we have, at least here in the US, um, in terms of divide. Um, but our, we're moving right behind them. And activist therapists who start with gender affirming care only and don't go with the watchful waiting model to see if this person really is trans. Like they start at the end point and then they try to work to get to that end point. Like, how can we get you to this point? What do you need to say to say the right things to get you here? But they're mm -hmm. affirming it immediately. Like, it's almost like put the, put the puberty blockers in your arm as, after the first session. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's an issue too, is we are so um, enamored with this idea that we're going to affirm that we don't realize that this can put a lot of people in danger. Yeah, yeah. Affirming too uh, early. And also there's and a I'm huge difference between affirm, like like if your kid comes home and says that they're gay, you can be like, okay, mm -hmm. you don't have to do anything. There's no- Yeah, you don't have to get a no cake. treatment. No, I mean, you could. Like every, I'm always up for a cake. You could, but- <laughs> But like, there's no, uh, there's no, there's nothing that goes along with that other than like, you know, if you start dating, let me know, because I'm going to vet the person you're dating, no matter what sex they are, you mm -hmm. know. But it's like you said earlier, too, Libby, that um, social transition before medical transition be, should be on the table before anything, like you, like you were talking about, if, yeah. if it was your child. Social transition is one thing, accepting your child and letting them explore their gender is one thing, but not medicalization. I think you nailed it when you talked about it earlier. Yeah. But I think yeah, that's I think why... That's I think that's why, can you hear, I'm having such a horrible yes. tech day, yes. I'm sorry. That's why I think they're focusing on gender and not sexuality, because in terms of sexuality, it's something that's so personal to somebody and so hardwired that they could try to screw with that, but they wouldn't get very far. Whereas mm -hmm. if you get kids early enough and give them these ridiculous ideas that gender is totally just based on what you wear and just based on these very rigid stereotypes, you can get them into this and you can confuse the hell out of them. Um, and it also allows them to cast a wider net because it's only a very small percentage of the population that's gay, unfortunately for my love life, but everybody has a gender. So well, they're trying to like, it goes back to being talking about postmodernism earlier. They're trying to erase sexuality period because they don't, there's no absolute. So nobody's gay, nobody's straight, nobody's anything. They're trying to erase completely. And that's what, the, that's what queer theory does is erase sexuality completely. Yeah. Somebody in chat BS. Hi. She says, uh, again, not enough mental health professionals. It's actually, it's, it's it's that I think a lot of the mental health professionals are on board with this ideology and they've sort of that's, adopted that's problem, it. Yeah. That's the problem. And so you see a lot of therapists and psychiatrists now who are pushing um, kids who don't conform to gender stereotypes, pushing them into transition immediately. That was the case with 
Helena, who I interviewed, who's someone who detransitioned later in young adulthood, um, the therapist, but they, everyone was on board with pushing her into transitioning immediately. But then when she started to question it and started to think about detransitioning, even the therapist was against it. That's how the, the sunken cost thing we're talking about. If you get everyone around you is invested in you making this one decision. And then if you're like, hey, I'm not sure if I made the right decision, that whole support system falls apart. So I would say those therapists yeah. doing their job. That's the trend of detransitioners all have very similar stories to that, where they felt like they were pushed into it. And then it, it's like they, again, they try to stay in that because now it's who am I letting down because of my choice that I made or embarrassment. Yeah. I wanted to get back just quickly before uh, we have to go. Uh, I don't know how much how much longer I have you guys, but your point, Libby, about the the ritual and coming of age and identity, that's so spot on. It's something I've been thinking about a lot. And uh, a lot of the kids, like that, that narc gender thing I put up, we're all laughing at it and everything. And I know it's not, that's not a big part of the social justice left yet. But there is not this yet. corner. Right. Yeah, there's this corner of the online world on Tumblr, on YouTube, on TikTok, where all of these young preteens and teenagers are talking about this stuff and pushing it. And there's there's a whole, even on YouTube, if you look up, there's an entire community of these YouTubers who are all young. Uh, they're, they claim to have dissociative uh, identity disorder, which is called personality disorder. So they claim to have to be a system, and there's multiple personalities who live in their system. And I saw some of that on libs of TikTok, and it was like a person oh. saying that their name was this, and then their name was Alex, and then their name was Sasha, and then their name was Lexi. And it was almost like they're just picking, picking the coolest names and doing... <laughs> yeah, like, none of them are named Herman. Okay. <laughs> when uh, no, when I was deaf like, and started doing sign language. I, I'm Scott. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when, when I talk I'm about crazy. DID... Well, yeah. I talked about the DID trend earlier. That's what that is. Like yeah. TikTok and the DID trend. And um, Ariel did a great video about this that I was in a couple, couple like a month ago. And it, she broke it down and had a few few of those videos in there. Like there was one person that had a South Park. Every character in it was South Park characters. <laughs> oh, so that's when they say that one of their personalities, they have a whole lingo, just like the rest of social justice. So in that yeah. DID world, they will say, well, this personality is a fictive. A fictive is a, a personality who is a fictional character. So they'll say, one of my personalities is Sherlock Holmes and or one of my personalities is Scooby-Doo. And, and, and it's gotten- Or an animal. Or an animal. There are some that claim to have personalities who are ghosts, um, non-human personalities. And, and the kids, I know it sounds funny to us and I, wanna, I laugh about it, but it's like the kids are getting pulled into this stuff the same way the transgender, the kids that we call transgenders who are doing it because it's hip and cool. So that narc gender thing came from a 15 year old's Tumblr, a 15 year old who spends a lot of time on Twitter talking with other kids in this community. And they're starting to claim, I almost think it's because like you said, Libby, it's this thing about marking their identity and, and figuring out who they are. But because within social justice, you get more social credit, the more marginalized mm -hmm. you are, the more oppressed you are being gay or being trans isn't enough. Everybody's gay and trans now in their cult. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. now there's kids and they're saying, well, I'm also a narcissist. And then this kid was saying, 
I'm into necrophilia oh, and I'm into, oh. yeah. And I'm into zoo sadism, which is the abuse of animals. And oh, good God, what, that's a crime. These yeah, putting that on their profile as part of their identity, their marginalized identity, necrophilia, zoo sadism. And these are the people we're supposed to look out for because they're going to go shoot up their school. Yeah. And, and I almost, I think that there's not enough. I feel almost out of place saying this because I'm not a parent, but, but being in a lot of the Facebook groups for the parents who are talking about their kids who are transitioning, there's parents in there who are like, okay, now my kid says they're a furry. And now that, and they're not monitoring anything the kids are doing online. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the it's moms, and I gotta yeah. say, like, it's hard. It's hard to monitor yeah. what your kid is doing online. Like, uh, it's really, it's really hard. Uh, my son has a phone. He has a laptop as well. And I get like reports from Microsoft once a week that say what he's, what sites he's been visiting. I have like Ooh, protections on everything. There's a ton of stuff that he can't access. Um, but then, you know, kids bring porn to school and show it to each other and yeah. this stuff gets around like but you know. you're active about it a lot of parents in today's society ha are, are just putting the in their hands into the state just letting their kids be run by the uh, grown by the state don't it's care creepy. what they're taught in school it's like parents have just given up like this current generation and it should be it's my generation you know it's like we raised them that it's like we, we were treated differently. So now we just want to just hands off everybody. We all got trophies, so we just don't need, you know, our mm -hmm. kids are going to be fine no matter what, you know, and, and it's, you were it's, part of that. Everybody gets a trophy generation. I was just ahead of the, everybody gets a trophy okay. generation, but it was, it was, was coming not. and we saw it come up <laughs> and it's like now this current generation, every, every, every person got a trophy generation is like, their kids are taking it one step further and, but they don't care. They want the state to raise their kids for them. And that's what's yeah. scary. Yeah. That is very. I feel like it's sort of about the making your kids aware of this and sort of the culture you create for your kids. Like you may not be able to know everything your son looks at, but I feel like you had these discussions with him. You sort of warned him about these things. Like, if when I have kids someday, they are not getting a thousand feet near this alphabet rainbow bullshit. So I well, feel one like of them to it too. Like you gotta, you gotta. It's a balance. You gotta balance. It. I, I uh, yeah, that's why I feel like parents just need to know. Keep your kids as far away from this shit as is humanly possible. Mm -hmm. Just keep them off TikTok. I am firmly. Yeah, I was just gonna TikTok say that is a psyop from yeah. from China. It is completely a psyop to change American culture because look what they allow in China. Look what they around allow in other parts of the world. It's here well, to change yeah, American they don't, culture. They for the don't worst. allow. Yeah, they want to. They want to destroy us from the inside. And uh, yep. I think that um, I think we are destroying ourselves from the inside. I think it's really a shame. Yeah, we don't yeah. value being American. We don't value our American culture. We divide up our culture into these little boxes and say this piece belongs to this group and this piece of culture belongs to that group instead of realizing that all of American culture belongs to all of Americans, like all of it, you know, all of European culture belongs to all of Americans. Like that's the deal. You know, I hate this whole concept of uh, black history month because uh, black history is American history. Like just put it in there, just cover everything with everything mm -hmm. else. Like it's all part of it. Go by time period, whatever it is that you're doing. Um, 
and cover it where it lands in the timeline of the curriculum. Don't separate it out. It's not like, you know, you only look at black history at one part of the year and then you never have to look at it again because black history is just part of the rest of, you know, it's just part of the rest of American history. Like there's no reason to separate it out. And the same thing is true with black culture. I mean, what force of culture has been a greater influence globally than black American culture? It's a mate, like yeah. it's amazing, you know, like, and think of let's how own all of it. Let's all have all of it. We don't have to separate it out. But what you're saying, wow. Libby, that's a very liberal attitude. And, and we've gone way beyond liberalism into this. Yeah, we're way past that. Yeah. We're in this place where, I mean, social justice is, it's not, they even say, you know, the liberals looked at America as a melting pot. And I know there were some conservatives who had issues with that. But what's funny is that they've gone so far now, social justice people will say, America's not a melting pot, it's a salad. And you have to keep every group distinct and separate. And they're all about separating us. And you've got your Black History Month and your Women's History Month and your Gay History Month, and let's keep it all distinct and separate. So you it's, can't it's, call yeah. them liberals anymore. You have to call them progressives because that's what they are. They are progressing us into failure. I'm at the yeah. point where I don't even care as much about the months, the Black History, the Prime of whatever, if they would just be normal every other month. I'm like, okay, have your month, but can we stop can we let up a little bit with this shit during every other month but no you can't even have that <laughs> they're turning people off what you're saying Livia, is so true about uh about how uh how many how many great wonderful things have come from black culture but they're turning people off to the point where when i log into uh any kind of my housemate has a has a uh, a netflix account and in, whether it's Netflix or Amazon or any of these streaming services, you log in and they're like, would you like to watch all of this Black Sim? And I'm like, stop, like, just put it in with everything else. I don't like you it. You know what I don't Uber understand eats. about Netflix? I can't, uh, um, there's no genre for mysteries. There's like <laughs> psychological thrillers and there's dramas, but like, I want a mystery. I just want a mystery. And there's no, there's no category for show. that. Yeah, where, do you, where are you putting Agatha Christie? For God's sakes, just tell me and I will go to that channel. But you can find the black queer section right up top. Black queer section. I would just a black queer mystery. Like I just I just want mysteries. That's all I want. Jessica Fletcher should not be in jail. What do you mean? Oh God, did nobody realize that wherever this bitch went, death followed. She was a freaking killer. It was not her fault. No. It was all she did it. She killed no, them not all. Jessica. Not Jessica. She killed every <laughs> single one of them. This bitch was the most prolific serial mm. killer on the friggin' eastern seaboard. Wow. So you can teach a college course on that. <laughs> like, oh my I've seen every episode and I yeah. love her and I'm glad she got away with it all. But you, in my murder, well. she wrote cinematic. Also Magnum PI. You remember all. like I loved Magnum PI. Yes. I think I loved Magnum P.I. just because of Tom Selleck's shorts. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that that's why I like the show. But so then I you like the current fashion episode. trend then, right? No, I really just men like wearing short Tom shorts? Selleck in the 80s. That's all I like. I, the current I like men, that. no. Just really Tom Selleck Current men wearing the chubbies? You don't, that's... Mm. Uh. Oh, what's the <laughs> like, do we have to all be a crop top? We're all fat after two years, and now we oh, got to no. show it off? What the hell is with no. this trend? No, no, the trend I hate is I've been watching. No, this the the men ha, are now wearing these like skinny lady pants every like the the lady form pants, fitting, 
Uh, no, like oh, the form-fitting like leggings. leggings. Yes, and I, I'm, oh, I'm like wow. leggings. Yes, and it, I find it so. It's not. It's not masculine. It's it's very. But they're trying to wear it in this masculine way, like a jock on top, and then these form-fitting pants at the bottom with no socks and these, you know, kids. And uh, it's it's a woman from yeah. the waist yeah. down. I was the I was gonna say you if you work if you work out and you do squats then okay but if you don't Mikey you know what we're talking about if a man does squats and he's dressed in like tight pants come on now <laughs> <laughs> I need to do more I I'm gonna file like a missing persons report for my ass I don't have one <laughs> this week was my first week back in the gym so I know exactly what you're talking about Carrie oh, gosh. I've been yeah. segregated from going to a gym for like what six months no 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 it's that. over it's over Mikey it's over. Okay, wait, you're the perfect person. Are you sure? I don't trust that. They lifted it. They lifted it. Starting Monday, we can go to things again. We can sure? go to I feel things. Like there's yeah. going to be a loophole. I'm I'm not happy. Yeah, yet. the loop. Yeah, listen, the loophole is for children under five. They have to remain masked at all times. Wow. That's the loophole. So, yes, that is a bad loophole. We have a story coming on that soon, actually. That's a bad loophole, but that's the loophole. The rest of us can go live our lives. I think what's going to happen is they're going to say, oh, businesses can choose, and all the businesses will say yeah, you still have to do, do it. And well, all the businesses will then be on my very permanent shit list. Yeah, there's because actually. I haven't been able to take my kid anywhere. Like, I got vaccinated because my mom basically demanded that I get vaccinated. And I was like, okay, I've never once listened to you. I may as well start now. Uh, but I didn't get my son vaccinated because it's stupid. Good. I <laughs> There's a, I did see Clifton <laughs> Duncan on Twitter. He was talking about some of the uh, theaters in New York, which are all, they all came together and they, they put out a joint statement saying that despite them lifting the mandates, they're going to continue to require a vaccine and mask at their performances. And it's like, how yeah, long do you think because gonna... theater is dead? That's because yeah. they have I killed it. I just want to go see Beetlejuice the musical. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go see anything ever again. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going. And you know, to I, have a, I have a degree in theater. Like I have a master's degree in theater. I never want to go to a theater ever again. If they're going to make me jump through hoops and be I'm compliant, like, Theater is meant to be profane. It's not sacred. It's yeah. not sanitized. It's a profane and filthy art form. And it ought to remain that way. You I love that. They have uh, the Harry Potter play. And Curse all the productions across the world came together to make videos denouncing J.K. Rowling. Uh, yeah, I will never go see that either because I love Rowling. She invented a whole fucking universe. Oh, can I say that? She invented a whole yeah. fucking universe. She invented a universe that made all yes. of us feel like we could imagine ourselves in it. You know, so what's better I, than walking around imagining yourself in some universe? So here's the question I do have, though, because I had the same question when they came out with the HBO special. J.K. Rowling still owns the rights. So is she getting paid for all that? If she's does getting she? paid, maybe think about. Yeah, she uh, does. Maybe think about going. If she's getting paid for it, then maybe, maybe think about going because it still puts money in her pocket. Yeah. She has enough money. I could buy her other stuff. <laughs> Plus, I already so, bought all her books. I bought all her movies. Yeah, don't support like, the theaters. I've actually been wanting to support the theaters. The Harry Potters. I've been thinking of doing a marathon. Oh, really? It's well worth it. I, I've seen like the first one or two when I was a kid, but that's it. I yeah, yeah I am. Um, 
I found all the books one day at a, um, actually at a used book sale, library sale near where my grandmother used to live before she passed. And my son was little and he's like, mom, we need to get all these Harry Potter. So I was like, okay, seven books, seven books. Couldn't beat it. It was great. Nice. And I remember watching, the rewatching them all right now. I'm watching I... Star Wars. She's rewatching. She, I'm rewatching Star Wars. She's rewatching Harry Potter. Everybody's I'm watching the old the next stuff, generation. Though. Everybody's going back because I never left. <laughs> sorry, I was saying everybody's going back to old things because it doesn't have the wokeness. I'm trying to do on the on yeah. this channel. I have a show with my friend Mystery Chris. We're doing a pop culture show. And he was saying, we really want to do something about pop culture where we don't just complain about all the woke stuff, but really highlight things that are different. And so far, we've been talking about the 90s. <laughs> because no, one show it's hard. Yeah. I have Which one? one show. It is amazing. It's so good. It's a freaking work of art. And there has not been one. They're on season three. There's not been one word of any politics, any wokeness. Nobody will listen to me about this. You guys are sleeping on this show. You have to watch Servant. <laughs> Servant. Oh, have you heard? No, you would love it. It's like a drama thriller kind of mystery, kind of culty. Okay. It's so good. It's so Wait, good. I can take a break from watching Star Trek and watch that. Oh, it's so good. But you're you're absolutely right, though, Carrie. Because even right now, and and everybody, like I have never seen the original sex in the city and my roommate and my roommate got me hooked on it because she was watching the original sex in the city so now I'm, I'm i'm addicted and i'm watching it all the way through and binging it but then she watched the she i watched the first episode of the new one with her and i'm like oh that's cringy yeah mikey's I'm, doing the whole cringy, thing yeah. on it yeah. yeah i have a video coming out on sunday i am doing the and just like that saga oh <laughs> yeah it got very woke did the same thing. Least of it. And the L word did the same thing. Really? I was talking to yeah. um, Batia Unger Sargon about this. She's a really interesting thinker. She was saying that uh, she thinks that, and just like that, did all the woke stuff as a send up of it, like almost as a roast. It seems but like it. It could be, but is it self aware enough? To, to actually know. be doing that, I don't know. I've literally it's listened to the first episode the podcast that they have, and it is—it's like a parody. You have to hear this writers' room podcast. It's like these white chicks who are like, "Oh, well, we're very comfortable talking about race in the writers' room, right, Leslie? <laughs> Tell them, Leslie. Uh, we're very comfortable." White women are the segment of the population that it's okay to just outright despise. <laughs> and despise yourself. You're supposed Only to despise yourself. white chicks. Right. You're yeah. supposed to hate yourself too. But yeah. I, I, I wrote an article, uh, I think it was 2019, about how white women suck. And I got banned for, um, I got flagged. I didn't get banned. I got flagged for hate speech on Facebook for saying that is white that women suck. I was Instagram? like, this is a satire. What's that? Is that why you got banned from Instagram? I didn't get banned from any, I haven't been banned from anything. Don't oh, tell. Instagram. No, I just, I, I, Knock out I started a, like, I started a public Instagram because the one I have is like mostly just me and my kid oh, and my cool. family. So then people were like, oh, I want to follow you on Instagram. I'm like, you know, you can't do that. Yeah. Cause you've got your private child. One. Yeah. Well, so then I started a public yeah. one, but I, I keep <laughs> the only things I really have to post on it are me having drinks and it's like. <laughs> I don't know if that's really what I'm going for. <laughs> you know, me three in in Nashville. Like, uh. 
<laughs> well, soon you'll have, uh, you'll be in Texas. So before we go, yeah. I just want to tell people a little bit about what's coming up for each of you and where to find you. Uh, Mikey and Libby are going to be in Texas for the Better Discourse Conference in April. Uh, Myth Informs Better Discourse Conference. I'll be moderating two of the panels, I think. And Sarah, I know you've got Freedom Fest coming up, but why don't why don't you just go around and tell people where to find you? All right, yeah, so I got Freedom Fest coming up. Um, if you guys are looking at going, it's in Vegas. It's at the Mirage in Vegas from July 12th through the 14th. Um, what is it? The, what's that? What it's it? all it's the Freedom it's like all the top liberties-minded people have spoke there. Like Glenn Beck's been there before. This year it's uh, Justin Amash, Spike Cohen, um, Rand Paul speaking. Um, Zuby's going to be there. Dave Smith. Mm -hmm. Um, Hannah oh my, Cox, you have to send Nate, me about this. Eliza I wanna, Blue. I want to cover it. You have to send me. Yeah. Um, and so oh, they do Eliza. it every year. Yeah, they do it every year. Um, Plus, I want to go to and, Vegas. Yeah. Oh, it's it's. <laughs> I'm I'm super excited because, um, yeah, and I'm speaking. I don't know if I'm going to have a solo speech yet or not. Um, we're still working on some of those details. And, but yeah, so early bird special ends March 31st. So, okay. um, and right now they're also running a few different specials on top of that. Like if you're a Joe Rogan fan podcast, I think you put JRE in the, uh, in the thing and it, it's like $50 off. So, so, so that, and then you can find me sarahigdon.com, um, youtube.com slash Sarah Higdon and, uh, Twitter and IG at Sarah Higdon with an underscore after it. Thank you, Sarah. Little ragamuffin, little ragamuffin is in Vegas. I think she'll come see you. <laughs> oh yeah, Mikey, where can we find you? Libby, you want to hear something insane? I do. Guess who is going to be hosting Myth Informed? Oh my goodness, is it you? <laughs> That's amazing. How insane is that? That's actually kind of insane. <laughs> I'm hosting the entire Myth Informed conference. I've never hosted That's anything wild. before, but I'm going to make it epic. I'm so excited. Just wear a nice jacket and you'll nail it. That's all you I'm, need. I'm just thinking of how many costume changes I'm going to <laughs> <laughs> Like an award show. I'm gonna literally, I've literally been watching clips of like Billy Crystal hosting the Oscars in the 90s. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm nice. taking this shit seriously. Nice. Uh, anyway, though, no, you guys, I'm going to have my, my YouTube channel has been a bit barren, but I'm I'm getting on it. So I'm going to have this new video on Sunday. Uh, I have Facebook. What's your uh, channel? Just my name, Mike Harlow. You should say it. Oh, my name. <laughs> it's my name. Um, I have Twitter, helpful. Instagram. <laughs> locals. Add me on Locals. His uh, name is Mike Harlow. Yes. Mike Harlow, everyone. <laughs> Mike like Tyson Harlow like Gene. Okay. Uh, I'm Libby Emmons. I'm at Libby Emmons on Twitter. I'm Libby.Emmons on Instagram my new one you can see pictures of me having drinks uh primarily that's all i do uh where else am i i just joined truth social so i'm at libby emmons on truth social mm -hmm. and getter and i'm up at the postmillennial.com every day if you guys want to help us out um you can throw us some cash at the postmillennial.com contribute 
We've been targeted by Antifa. It's all very exciting. People going Everyone after our advertisers. Us, Everyone hates us. It's very yeah. exciting. Woo. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Great and fun. It's great fun being hated by everyone. <laughs> Even thank though you you're, guys. Like, you're like, okay, thanks. Anyway. I would say thank you guys for hanging out in the chat. I'm sorry, I was a bit distracted today. I was doing the tech and uh, we don't have super chats Jerry? yet. Oh, you can find me. This is a new channel. So if you're white, if you stumbled on it and don't realize it's a new channel, hit subscribe and you can find me on Twitter. I finally got a handle people can remember. It's real Carrie Smith. Finally. Yeah. Mike was telling me to do that for a long time. So <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for giving us your time and your insight today. Libby, I'm so happy you could join us. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys in person. Cool. Thanks. That's so great. End broadcast. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting... <laughs>